Be More You is presented by Pius XI Catholic High School. Welcome to another episode of Be More You. My name is Jonathan Davidson, and today's bell work is about history. One of the first times I've actually listed a subject here at Pius as the bell work. But essentially, the reason I bring this up is because I've been thinking a lot recently about the concept from the musical Hamilton about history has its eyes on you. Now, obviously, that's not a new concept unique to Hamilton, but they've made it very loud recently. And they even have a song titled History Has Its Eyes on You. And I was really, really, really thinking about it. What is that idea that history is watching me? And essentially, I've come to this realization that I want the world to be better when I'm gone than it was when I arrived. And so essentially, this idea of history has its eyes on you is is really this idea that you make these decisions on a regular basis that are about benefiting what you're going to leave behind. Now, of course, that's going to be different for different people. What does that mean? What does it mean to leave something better behind? Is that more money? Is that a bunch of love? Is that improving of programs? Is that educating someone? And I say that last one last because obviously most teachers, including myself, would look at educating someone as that means of leaving the world a better place than when you found it. I used to go to summer camp as a kid. And we always have to stop about halfway through the bus ride at a rest stop and give out some peanut butter and jellies, and um, we'd, we'd go the rest of the way. But while we would stop, all the counselors on the buses would say, you know, we got to clean this park up before we leave. We need to leave it cleaner than when we found it. And a lot of kids would say, well, well that's not my trash, or I didn't do that. And the point was, well, no, but we are using this space as a big group. And it's our responsibility to leave this space as if we weren't here. And if that means that we have to clean up a little bit of extra trash in order for that to happen, then that's what we're going to do. And it's a tiny little example of a very big lesson. This idea that history has its eyes on you. That you should be making the decisions that are the equivalent of picking up someone else's trash. That this idea of helping your community, helping those around you, the more you benefit yourself and those around you, the better you will leave the earth behind you. So it's really this simplistic idea. History has its eyes on you. So what are they watching? Are they watching a good movie or a bad movie? And I would hope that anyone that looks at the movie that I am living would say, that's a good movie. So we'll see. History has eyes on you. We've got a social sciences teacher with us today. This gentleman has been here for 40 plus years. Anyone with a connection to Pius over that time will know this person, will know their name. He recently stepped down as being the head boys basketball coach. He is still the girls softball coach. He is really, really kind and ultimately uh, someone that I am happy to have gotten to know over my time here at Pius. Our guest today, Mr. Joel Clausen.
I'm here with Joel Claussen, probably the longest tenured teacher here at Pius. <laughs> and uh, he just recently uh, stepped down as being the head basketball coach. He was uh, in that position for? Well, a total of 34 years as a head coach, 18 with the girls and 16 with the boys. And it looks like it was pretty good timing. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to elaborate on that? Well, you know, uh, one of my concerns was uh, – you, don't, you never know when you're ready to retire from what you love to do. Uh, but I felt it was the right time last March. But I knew come this fall, uh, it'd be a difficult season for me without basketball. But now that we're, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a pandemic going on. <laughs> and the disruption and in, in the scheduling and practices with, with our boys and girls coaches here has caused a lot of frustration. So for me, I feel bad for those two men, uh, but the reality for me is it's probably not going to be as bad as it is as I thought it would be in regards to uh, the struggles that they're going to have, it looks like. Sure, sure. Yeah. So just thinking for a second about the basketball career that you've had here at Pius, I know people could Google Pius Basketball or Google your name, and they'd come up with record numbers like going Four nineteen and thirty seven with the girls over those years, and um, two thirty and one hundred six with the boys. Those are some pretty impressive win percentages. Yeah, I, th I think timing is everything. With the girls' program, I was fortunate enough to uh, be asked to be the assistant coach way back in the early eighties when Dick Fisher was the head coach, and he got this program started. So he's he's the base and foundation of our successes for both myself and Scott Herrick. Uh, but I was in the right place. It was the program to coach in. We had literally the best players in the state of Wisconsin coming to Pius, uh, both All-State and All-Americans. In 85, I had the player of the year in the country. Uh, so timing is everything. Luck is everything. And I just followed the path of what Dick Fisher did. He'd play fundamentals, play hard, play defense, and everything else will fall into place, and it did. Well, it's interesting you say that, you know, because uh, we actually had Dan Carey on, who is now currently the – head basketball coach mm -hmm. and he continually made points to reference your coaching and your coaching style and so it's kind of fascinating to hear from that pointing to you and from you pointing to Dick Fisher do you think that's a, a common thing that kind of each coach begets some previous coach and so on it, it certainly sounds that way you know for Danny, that was one of the reasons that I probably jumped the gun a little bit in terms of ask, uh, looking to, to retire. Uh, even today, it's hard to say that word because I'm so young still, as you can tell. Uh, <laughs> but Danny was the perfect choice. Danny has all the skills. I mean, he, his basketball IQ is outstanding. He's had successes both with men and women already. Uh, and he, he, I was concerned, would have moved on somewhere else because he would have been snatched up by somebody. Uh, but he, his basketball IQ, his relationship with the fellas, uh, his innovation in the game, his passion is off the charts. And so he's going to continue the path that we've had here also with the boys uh, program. Well, you touched on passion, and I, that's really where I want to ask you this next question, which is really about I'm not 40 yet. I, I joke with my kids that I'm 154 mm -hmm. and I just never tell them my age. When I was in LA and I was an actor, you just didn't tell people your age because mm -hmm. you might get, you know, cut out of a possible casting process. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite 40 yet. So I can't imagine doing anything for 40 years already. 
Uh, can you speak to the passion that was, I would assume, necessary to, okay. to stay in it for 40 years? Well, I think the, the thing that I've always been asked uh, over the course of my career as a basketball coach, why didn't I like move on and coach in the college ranks? And, and I had those opportunities uh, throughout my career. I never could just pull, hit the switch because I, I just love teaching so much. And uh, Pius is the only place I've ever taught. It's, I was, it was the only place I ever applied for. I applied for one teaching position <laughs> way back in 1980, and I got it. And it was like, okay, this is going to be kind of cool. And so when I came to the school, it just there's something about this place. It's the dynamics. It's the, it's, it's the feel of it. And the people who you worked with way back in 1980 just embraced you and, and helped you along. And my passion and love always has been social science, especially American history. And I love teaching. It's, it's to this day I, I love teaching. And, and I've always told my students, and I tell myself, I've never had a job, uh, both from teaching and coaching. I just, it's just in me. And kids keep you young. And people always ask, like, you know, those teenage kids, they must be really tough to handle. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, no, they're not. They're, they're always teenagers. They're, they're always 17 to me, regardless in the 80s, 90s, or 2000s. And, and uh they're a fun age to, to interact with. They're a fun age to see them grow and develop. So, uh, yeah, my passion always has been teaching, and, and uh, I'm, I'm still doing it, and I'm still loving it. Well, that's awesome. And, and that brings up my the thought that I'm having in terms of how you reference that they're always 17, but no matter if it's in the 80s, 90s, mm -hmm. do you find that even though they are 17, that the – style changes that the culture changes or do you think it's all kind of just consistent across the board a 17 year old a 17 year old doesn't matter if it was today or 20 years ago i think they all go through the same social uh development as depending on not even depending on any decade so they're all going to get excited for the homecomings and the proms and they're always uh, feeling pressures to get that three points or pass a class or move on to college I think all that remains consistent. I think the differences has been the, the evolving nature of uh, beyond the classroom, you know, what happens maybe at times in the homes or in the environments or, mm. uh, or, or what, what their future holds. Uh, it's college, but it, there's, a, there's a different mix to that in terms of, of generations and decades. But they all have the innocence. They all have that, you know, their, their drama throughout the course of the day is incredible. Uh, but yet the reality is, is the next day they're okay again. <laughs> and that, that seems to never change. Yeah. yeah. And when I ask around, ask the students, you know, what are, what are your, some of your favorite classes, some of your favorite teachers? In some ways, that's an unfair question, right? Because we shouldn't even put that mindset in their yeah, heads yeah. that you have a favorite class or favorite teacher. Um, but any time I've asked a student who's had you as their teacher, their immediate no hesitation answer is, oh, Mr. Clausen. And I think that, in my opinion, just from what I've observed, that has to be because of a sense of caring that they don't necessarily get from adults. And I don't necessarily mean it at home or from other teachers. I just, I think that teenagers often find a sense of, we're not kids anymore. But we're also not ready to like live our entire lives out on our own quite yet. So they're in that weird stage where they need an adult that just trusts them and says, yeah, you're going to make mistakes, but I'll be right there and I'll help you through it. And uh, I mean, I, I think about that approach and that seems to be how they describe your 
teaching style? Would you say that's an accurate assessment? Well, you know, I think I'm also lucky for the classes that I teach where I feel I can connect with kids. I also teach sociology, and that's a great connection with kids in terms of relationships at home, relationship with other kids. Uh, we get into some, some pretty heavy stuff, and I think as, as they grow a confidence in our relationship, uh, they're able to open up more. What Pius has is, is called the single mod. It used to be called a, a permanent mod, and, and for all those old alum that are out there, veteran alum, not old, <laughs> uh, they remember the permanent mod where we could meet one and one of the kids once a week, and we could just sit back and talk about their lives and how things are going. And I think once they've, they've crossed that, that bridge to confidence in the relationship, then it's going to stay there, I think. Teaching sociology has helped me to, to get to get all the kids even better. Uh, American history, there's just a passion for that. I, I always tell my kids that. If, if you're just looking at the numbers and the stats in the book, nothing's going to happen. But if you leave this class feeling our history, recognize what people have gone through, I think we've, we've, we've then made some success out of it. Uh, and now a human rights class, it's, we're going to year seven already, and that class is, is perfectly timed for what's going on in our society. It's called Human Rights and Diversity. And we, we have touch points of what's going on in our society, be it the election today, be it the pandemic. Uh, the the uh, social unrest and protests and, and, and changes over the summer. Uh, and so those kids really to open up. So I'm, I'm lucky again. I'm, I'm a very fortunate man mm -hmm. to be able to fall on a path of the Dick Fishers and basketball and, and these social science classes that I I just love love to teach. So, Well, that's... That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would, I mean, I, I'm going to find a time to just audit for a, a day and just uh, sit in and listen. And you might hate it and want me to leave, but I'm going to well, do I'm it. a little concerned these days because now we're Zooming. <laughs> oh, true, I, yeah. I don't know if I'm getting more of an audience at home than just the son <laughs> or daughter. So they'll hear this crazy old boy uh, yelling and screaming back at five. So I say, who's that? And they'll say, that's my teacher. They go, oh, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> uh, but that's also a good thing. Yeah. So. Well, switching gears a little bit, let's kind of go back to the very beginning. So where were you born? Uh, right here in Milwaukee. In and uh, you went to Pius, I believe, yeah? No, I didn't. I think I did. Uh, <laughs> you know how your mind says, yeah, I probably did. <laughs> no, I always tell my kids, kiddingly, I went to Milwaukee Pulaski High School. Uh, I call it the harbor of the south side of Milwaukee. So <laughs> uh, I, I, w I grew up on the south side of Milwaukee, went to St. Roman's grade school, uh, Shoals Junior High, which is now Ronald Reagan. Uh, real tough year transitioning from a Catholic school to a public school, by the way. And then I went to Pulaski, and that was a, a neighborhood school back in the 70s, and I absolutely loved it. I still have a lot of close relationships, a lot of friends uh, from that school. And then, uh, fortunate enough, I, I played basketball and baseball in high school. I got a college scholarship to go to Kent State. And I think that's where my life changed in terms of seeing history because that was a remarkable university. On uh, the basketball end, uh, not the best relationship with the coach. <laughs> and so I, I moved my my stuff up to Oshkosh where I finished my career up there with basketball and, and then jumped right into teaching. So, so when you switch to Oshkosh, uh, obviously where we are sitting right now, that's about an hour, hour and a half yeah. away. Um, was there a sense of kind of coming home, you know, Kent state, I think is in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, not too far, seven, eight hour drive, yeah. but uh, as you mentioned, not necessarily having the best relationship with the coaches there. Uh, was Oshkosh or anything in the UW system part of the reason because of maybe the sense of being far away and wanting to come a little bit closer, or it was just the program that felt right for you? Well, it's the simplicity of a 19-year-old. <laughs> you know, when I was at Kent State, I absolutely lo loved the university. And, you know, the Kent State shootings happened in 1970. I was 
only five years removed from the shootings there, and that's what got me involved in my history interests. And uh, my coach was a really, really good coach, but his relationship with myself and other players, uh, many of us left that year. And so <laughs> as a 19-year-old, I, I was looking to go to some other Division One schools, but I had to sit out a year and a half before I played again. And so I went where my best friend was. And mm. he was at Ashgosh who says, why don't you come over here? Uh, I, you know, I got to need a roommate. And that was <laughs> as simple as it was. I met the coach, and he was a great guy, still alive, like 92. He's a wonderful person. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much the reason I went. But it was always good to come home because I come from a large family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you miss your brothers and sisters and your mom and your friends, and it, it made for a perfect setting, school, hoops, and fun. Yeah. Maybe and not in that order. Uh, how large is your family? How many brothers and well, sisters? Well, I had two brothers and two sisters. Yeah. yeah. So I was the youngest of five. Youngest of five. I'm yeah. the youngest of four, so, yeah. yeah. And, and I've taken advantage being a spoiled youngest. <laughs> so. Yeah, I uh, I know my my personal experience. We are a very close knit family, mm-hmm. uh, and actually, m- once I moved here to Milwaukee, that's about as close as I've been geographically mm-hmm. since I left for college. Uh, I've been all over the country, and and one of the hardest things for me, even though I was doing things that I loved or being in places that I enjoyed being, mm-hmm. I was always a flight or something away from family. Uh, so um, to understand that bonus if you will like yeah i'm not going to oshkosh to be next to family but that's a bonus it is yeah yeah. um so you might hate this and i apologize but i'm now going to do what we're going to call the four fun ones uh and basically i don't know what these questions are going to be i have these decks of cards right here oh this is that have random questions on them aren't we out of time (laughs) oh there's the bell i got a class i think and so I'm just going to cut the deck, and we're yeah. going to see what shows up. And it's four fun questions, okay. and we'll see what it is. Okay. So first off, what's the worst pickup line you've ever heard or dished out? Wow, that's, you know, that's ages ago. I mean, we're talking five decades. Uh, <laughs> I Oh, I, I have one, actually. It wasn't from me. It's <laughs> no, Granted, this, this guy's kind of a unique chap who are still really good friends to this day, and he... We were at a bar, and I was at that time dating my wife, and she had she has sisters, and he wanted to meet one of the sisters, and uh, she had long blonde hair, and he, I, he goes, well, what should I say? I go, just ask her if she wants a drink. Oh, now that's too easy. And all of a sudden, here I go, hello. She goes, hello. He goes, would you mind if I burn your hair? <laughs> and I said, I said, Tom, that's not gonna work. He goes, it didn't. <laughs> so it did not work. Uh, that's the worst line I've ever heard. That's but pretty bad. Yeah, he's not married right now <laughs> to this day. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, what is a recurring nightmare that you have? It's not a nightmare, actually. It's it's a. Uh, I've always had dreams of someone stealing my car. No kidding. It's always someone stealing my car, and it's gotten to the point in my dreams that I know it's a dream that someone's stealing my car. Yeah. And then I actually, you know, because I, I teach psychology also, I tried to figure out what does that mean. It says that you're trying to leave someplace, but you're not allowed to leave the place. And <laughs> Do you think that might be? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're 41 at Pius. <laughs> so it sort of fit that. So yeah, I thought that was really interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. So. All right. Here we go. Let's see. This is probably the weirdest one I have cut to, so just brace yourself. Okay, great. How much would someone have to pay for your little toe? I'd give it away. 
<laughs> Probably the right one because I'm left-footed. So yeah, yeah. I, Just here, yeah. you can have it. That question I get so often. That's why it's so easy <laughs> to answer. That it's a very common question. All right, last one. Yeah. Fourth question. Excellent question. Uh, would you rather be the most popular person or the smartest person? Oh, I think uh, people always say I feel the smartest person, but I think smart is relative to what you know. Sure. You know, I've always told my students, it's not what you know, it's what you don't know. And I think that's one of the bigger problems today is people, especially in social media, they're identifying what they think they know, but you should identify what you don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in this whole pandemic situation, there's stuff we just don't know, but people think they know what they don't know. Yeah. You know, so it's, yeah, it's, you want to always be the smartest, but you, you have to be able to research the smartest. Yeah. I, I, I forget which philosopher said it, but it's, uh, it's quoted in one of the Bill and Ted movies. I don't know if you've oh. seen those. Now, what's, <laughs> what's year that they won the Oscar? I can't remember. It, it was uh, nominated for every award uh, in, uh, in 1989. Sure. Uh, they, they I say that was Silence of the Lambs that won it that year. That was 91. I knew you would know yeah, that. Yeah, see, I know those yeah. things. Uh, the line is, all that I can consist in knowing is knowing that I know nothing. Exactly. Yeah, and it's exactly. this idea that, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. And for many people, at least in my experience as a teacher, they get uncomfortable with learning the fact that they don't know something. Mm-hmm. They get uncomfortable with that. They almost get combative with that. And I try to take that same approach. I try to say, hey, you know, we're here to experience this, to learn this, to figure out, to get, you know, what's going to happen as a theater teacher I'm asking them to embarrass themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of these kids are not familiar with yeah. at all. And yeah. uh, so uh, it's uh, it's really great to hear you say that. Yeah. Um, last little bit. Uh, in your 41 years here at Pius, what would you want to make sure is the one key thing that you kind of I don't want to say pass on because you're, you're not leaving yet, uh, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but what would be that, that one piece that you said, look, if every single one of my students just understood this one thing yeah. at, from, from me as their teacher to you as the student, I, you know, this is the one thing. What do you think that would, would be? Uh, that's a really good question. I, I think I'd like to pass on passion. Uh, you know, when, when, you, when you have passion in, in what you love to do, uh, you'll continue on to do it, and everything else sort of, sort of falls aside. Uh, so when when be it in in the arts, you know, be it in it would have been Mamma Mia last year for you, and be it for hoops for me, or be it in the social science classes. I want them to have passion. I want, every, but I also playing off that I want Pi students to recognize my, our, from the alumni to the present how special a place Pi's high school is, and no one asked me to say that. But it is a special place, and they think we have, we've had teachers come and go. I think, Jonathan, for you, uh, just being here one-plus year, you can probably feel that. Uh, and there's a connectedness with people that have left the school as, as educators or as students. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It's just the, the passion of, of whatever you do, put everything you can into it. And I always tell kids, <coughs> excuse me, like in the classroom and coaching, that I want you to feel what you're doing. You know, I've always told my ball players, uh, both my boys and my girl ball players, is that when you leave the court, you've given everything. And 
And the sweat is the reminder of what you've done to be successful. You know, in the classroom, it's, 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 it's sitting back and ace of that test because you put everything into it. And I always tell my history students that you don't really have to study for what you should feel. And when we pass along the feeling part of, like we, we've just finished Andrew Jackson. I know that sounds exciting to many out there, but we, <laughs> but we went through the Trail of Tears and, and the, horrific, the horrific crimes against our own people, the Cherokee, and what they had to go through just because of what they look like. And I said, you won't have to, you won't have to study this because you're going to feel that. Mm-hmm. We're about to, we just talked about the Alamo and, and the, the whole misunderstanding of the Alamo. Like, we're supposed to support these men who are defending the Alamo. Well, well let's understand, they're, they're defending land that's Mexican land that they're trying to take from them, <laughs> you know? Right. And now we're going into slavery, so you can see how depressed I get as a teacher. <laughs> but my point is, if they feel it and they have passion for it, they're going to remember it. Yeah. And that, that, that cross lines with everything, you know? Yeah. Well, so. that's, that's great. And forgive me for getting personal for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you had talked about how I, you know, I've only been here a year and a half mm-hmm. and not quite even a half yet. And I've now, this is now the eighth school that I've worked at and I have, uh, intentions of being here a long time. And the hardest thing for me when I have switched from all these schools so quickly, and mostly it's, because my wife's career has forced us to move around mm-hmm. uh, and now she doesn't need to move. So mm-hmm. I don't need to move. Mm-hmm. It, it's being that new kid, you know, no matter how old you get, there's times where you become the new kid and you get those feelings of, well, do I have to try to make good relationships or am I going to be here for a very long time? And for me last year specifically, mm-hmm. you and I, had lunch together yeah. almost every day yeah. and it, it was actually something that I really looked forward to. I really looked forward to just knowing that we could, well, you would make me laugh. I don't know how much I would oh, make you laugh. Here. We had some pretty good banter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. I just, uh, I looked forward to it. I appreciated it. It felt incredibly welcoming and that's not something you get at other schools from the staff in general. I mean, you just to, I think that I, what I'm trying to say here, yeah. <laughs> even, you know, long story short, too late, uh, is I really just am thankful for the relationship that we created last year that, that you were so open to just even having conversations with me. And it was really, really awesome. And I really appreciate it. Well, I thank you too, Jonathan, because it is, you know, that's the cool thing about pies. I miss that too. I mean, you know, people will see the stereotype of a, teacher's lounge in, <laughs> on television or movies, we had a, a good group of folks that go down, and we, I look forward to because of our banter, and we had others with us that we, people think you just talk about kids. We The last we do is talk about kids. Right. We just talk about the stupid in a very profound kind of way, <laughs> yeah. you know, from movies to music to uh, our lives in, themselves. So, uh, yeah, and we're missing that, I think, this year. Yeah. You know, for those out there that don't recognize how tough it is to be a teacher, I think that's overplayed, too. Because if you love it, nothing's tough. Right. But what we miss here is is you miss the buzz of a school, the energy. I'm glad we're back. I, I love being in a classroom, but we're missing that. We're missing the element of connecting with teachers and going out and having some fun. But I tell my students, we're always one day closer, man, and it's going to happen. It's it's going to be – I'm, <laughs> I'm no scientist, obviously, but it, it's going <laughs> to happen at some point because history's on our side. Right. And we all look forward to that. So everyone just, just hang in there, man, and – 
hugs feel better these days if you can. And yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in and doing this. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I wish you all the best. Yeah. Back at you. Thanks for letting me come up here. Uh, now it's back to work. <laughs> back to work. Okay. I mean, I don't work anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> haven't worked a day in your life. <laughs> I haven't. I swear to God. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Take care. Okay, Jonathan. Thank you. The Pius XI Pope's Fund supports the programs and opportunities that benefit all students. If you would like to contribute to the Pope's Fund, visit www.piusxi.org slash donate. That's www.piusxi.org slash donate.